0: Cool. Perfect. Hello and welcome to the second episode of the season for the Digital Den podcast. I'm joined by Aberdeen footballer um, Tommy Hoban with 121 career appearances as of April 10th, 2021. Um, Tommy, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. What a career you've had. You've, well, you've thanks, gone, for, thanks for having me on. You, you've gone to Watford, you've gone to um, Blackburn and, and finally Aberdeen. How, how are you today?
1: Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. Um, yeah, I'd say my career obviously started off um, at Watford, where I've, um, I'm fairly local to the area. Um, I was actually at Arsenal as a kid until age 14, and I got released from there age 14 and then signed for Watford and then sort of came through the youth uh, youth uh, system of the academy football at Watford, um, made my debut at 17 and was there until age 20 i think i was 24 25 from like that and um unfortunately i had a sort of a difficult period from injury with uh, various injuries from sort of age 21 to about 25 26 so until this season really and um and yeah and then i've um i came on loan to aberdeen when i was 24 played a little bit here but unfortunately got injured again but then once i i did manage to get back fit um Aberdeen were interested in signing me again and I sort of really enjoyed, enjoyed it up here, sort of loved the area. Very different to what I'm used to down in, in London, but um, I think it's, you know, a really sort of beautiful city. Um, you know, the countryside and stuff's amazing as well, so I've, um, yeah, I wasn't sort of hesitating to, to come back up and yeah, have a good season up here and hopefully we can finish it, um, finish it strongly now.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, from coming to um not so sunny Scotland um from London that must have been a big change how did you how did you make that adjustment how was the switch
1: um yeah to be honest it's it, it, as you say it's obviously it's a completely different um you know completely different area sort of the way of life up here is is very different uh you know in London everything is so sort of go 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 so hectic um you, know, you feel like you're always rushing somewhere doing something but You know, well, uh, I'm living sort of just outside of Aberdeen in Peterculter. Not sure if you know, and um, we're kind of literally almost on a farm, sort of in the middle of nowhere, and it's it's you know it's worlds apart from sort of what I'm used to down there. And just yeah, every morning, you know, looking out the window, just seeing the fields and sheep and cows out the window, like (laughs) it's amazing, really, and um, kind of yeah, feels like we're just sort of on holiday at the start, and then. obviously getting used to it a little bit now. And once winter came, it was, it was definitely very different. You know, (laughs) long, dark days, very cold, a lot of snow as well for a month or so, but, um, but yeah, uh, it's, it's really enjoyable. And to be honest, probably having lived, having lived up here now, um, my girlfriend and stuff as well, you know, we talk about, you know, where our next move will be. And, you know, I don't think we could get anywhere, um, much better than this, to be honest. I think mean, this is kind of uh, the life that we both like and then um, hopefully, yeah, we can find somewhere, you know, either stay here in Aberdeen or find somewhere else that's you know, close to this. But, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, so you talk about how happy you are in Aberdeen and how fun it is. Do you, do you remember your first, your debut goal or your debut um match for Aberdeen? Appearance? Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah, I do, yeah, for Aberdeen. So um, it was against Burnley it was actually quite a big game so uh, it was a, a Europa League qualifying game in the summer of 2018 I think it was so it was in July um, like very early in the season Um about three or four days before I didn't even know that I was going to you know I was training with Watford um, actually in in Austria I think we were on pre-season tour and then I still got a call from the manager up here who was you know, interested in me coming um, you know, taking me on loan for the season, and I wasn't sort of going to be featuring too much at Watford that year, so they agreed for me to come up here on loan. And then I trained on I think maybe Tuesday or something, or maybe Monday, and then the game I think was on the Wednesday. And uh, and I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't sure if I was going to be starting or not, but I ended up starting, um, and that was my first first game of the season, first game in a long while. So I'd sort of been injured the year before. And, um, yeah, it actually, went, it went very well. We uh, we drew 1-1 and um, then had a second leg a week later down in England at Burnley. And, uh, unfortunately, we lost that one um, in the end in extra time. But, you know, we pushed a very good sort of Premier League team, yeah. you know, sort of all the way. And it was, um, yeah, sort of, sort of, you know, baptism of fire, like, so to speak. I like, thought sort, of, sort of like thrown straight into it. But, um, you know, it's really one of the, the bigger games in my career, biggest games that I've played against the a, you know really top team. So it's definitely one that um you know I won't forget. Hmm.
0: I mean you've played with three different clubs. You're very respected in their in their league. Um, Watford in, in the Championship, um, Blackburn of course in, in the Scottish Premier League, and then you've got Aberdeen as well, who are fourth. Um, how who who's the hardest player you've ever had to play against? You play as a defender, so it must be quite hard sometimes to to keep um, all the attackers at bay?
1: Um, yeah, I'd say probably the biggest names I've played, I played against Chelsea when I was down with Watford uh, in the FA Cup. So I think, you know, that game, they, they were probably the biggest name players I played against. And I'm actually a Chelsea fan myself. So I played against Drogba in that game. Mm. And, um, you yeah, know, he was sort of one of my sort of boyhood heroes sort of growing up. So that was, that was amazing. Yeah. Um, uh, who else played like I uh, Diego Costa as well who's um, was on fire for Chelsea that season, a really big player, you know, he's likes of Fabrega, um Williams, sort of all these kind of, you know, top players that played at Chelsea were played in that game. So that was that was pretty special. And as they sort of being a Chelsea fan, playing at Stanford Bridge against these guys, it's you know, the kind of stuff that I've been sort of dreaming of since a kid. Um so it was yeah. it was, you know, it was amazing, unfortunately. We did lose 3-0, but um, we'll try to forget about that and just <laughs> <laughs> so focus on the positives of playing yeah. against my, my heroes. So. But yeah, no, I think um, Drogba is probably the biggest player that I'd like to pick one of them. He's the most memorable and the biggest player I've played against. So yeah. But he was coming to the end of his career then, so mm. he wasn't too hard. <laughs> <He's that man.
0: laughs> um, you, you describe yourself as a Chelsea fan. If you had to um, rate your top three players of all time at Chelsea, I'm a Man City fan. So um, if you had to rate your okay. top, top three players, um, who would it be?
1: Top three players of all time. Um, number one for me is easy. John Terry. So I'm a mm-hmm. I'm a defender, and um, so naturally I have sort of you know. Always looked up to John Terry, tried to learn off him, and then he's obviously Chelsea captain, was England captain. So, John Terry, number one. Um, top three Chelsea players. Gotta be Frank Lampard, number two, as well. You know, he's incredible for Chelsea over the years. Mm. And then, number three would be Drogba. Mm. Mm. Definitely, I'd say Drogba, yeah. So, um, I didn't. Terry, John, I don't think John Terry played in that game. Frank Lampard left. By the time we played them, but um mm. the drug was already the only one that I like, got to play against so, so yeah. Yeah. Still very good.
0: I mean, um we had we we're just coming out of lockdown now as we're filming this and we were in lockdown last year. Uh, I know for footballers it was quite hard as well to keep your fitness up and um keep your, your form um continuously going, especially when you're not playing any games. So how how did you cope with that?
1: Um, yeah, no, it was very tough. Um me personally as well so i was actually injured for all of uh, the previous seasons so i the year before i come back burn and i picked up quite a bad knee injury which sort of ruled me out and my contract at Watford was finished and i i couldn't find anywhere until i was fit so um I, it was it was a very tough time for me because then i um as lockdown kind of started it was just as i was sort of coming back and i sort of needed to go into teams to train and you know try and get myself a contract somewhere obviously I couldn't do any of that because of, you know, the first lockdown and the clubs were, weren't were sure what was happening themselves or the players were off. So I was kind of um, doing a lot of running stuff myself at the time. But then, you know, as I was like coming back from injuries, my knees still weren't perfect. So I was still in a bit of pain and it was, it was quite challenging. But um, I, I got a programme. I found a strength and conditioning coach who gave me um, a programme to work myself from home. So it was kind of in the garden, just trying to make a makeshift gym out of the garden, you know, just like with, with, with steps with the little boxes that you could jump on. Um just anything. I get my hands on rocks so I was holding for weights, um, putting them in a in a rucksack, uh, trying to get hold of weights, but as I'm sure, you know, and yourself, a lot of your listeners will realize like every single weight seems to be sold out in <laughs> the whole of the country. You can get your yeah. hands on so any gym equipment. Um, so it was quite tough. Um, and yeah, obviously, we didn't know when the season was going to start again. So, you know, footballers were having to keep fit and just keep waiting, just trying to hear some news. Because, you know, once they make a decision that it could start two or three weeks later, you could be playing games. And if you're not fit, that's when you know, injuries happen and then you're not going to perform well and, and stuff like that. So it was a very uncertain time. And um, But I just tried to... You know, keep myself as fit as I can so that I'd be ready to go into a team once the team did go back. But um, at the same time, I didn't know if a team was going to take me. So, sort of mentally, it was quite tough as well, just having to, you know, with the uncertainty of what was going to sort of happen with my career at that point. Um, But thankfully, you know, things did work out in the end. And I eventually got a call from Aberdeen who arranged to me come back up here. And um, and yeah, uh, that was getting on nine
0: months ago now so yeah mm. I mean many people I'm sure many footballers of course would sympathize with you especially trying to keep that high performance because as a footballer um, it's very competitive um, to get into a squad and stay in a squad um, and if you've gone through injuries it makes it even harder so I, I, I'm sure many footballers can harmonize with what you're saying I when you as you played for for Aberdeen, do you have like a specific um or Watford in fact, do you have a specific like atmosphere that that you can remember that you just think, wow, like um was there like a specific um, point in, in in a game where you thought the atmosphere is fantastic, it's getting um us riled up to to play and so on and so on?
1: Um yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I think um uh, in the 2014-2015 season we got promoted for... Uh, with Watford from the championship to the premiership and I played quite a big part in that season as well. And I remember in the run in, um, you know, all the games were getting bigger and bigger, you know, every game was, you know, a must win game because the other teams around us are winning as well. And um I remember we played Middlesbrough, I think it was, at home, who we were also kind of up there in the playoff, quite a good team. Um and it was, you know, a big game and I think it was I think it was an Easter Monday as well, so it was Bank Holiday. So uh, you know, the stadium is full. Everyone's off work. Everyone's you know, buzzing for the game, and I just remember sort of during that game we won two 0 And I think when we scored the second goal, the crowd, like just the noise, was, was you know incredible. Just like everyone could really, you know, Whenever you score a goal, you get a big cheer, but this was mm. something really special. Like the whole yeah. stadium was rocking, and you know we really started to believe that you know this is going to be our year. And, um, and it did end up being I like, and you know, we went on to get promoted about maybe a month or six months or so, six weeks later mm. after that. So, um, but yeah, I, I really remember sort that moment after scoring that second goal like, this a really big celebration with the team and the crowd, like, like, just going crazy for a really long period of time. And there was, yeah, it's moments like that that I think, you know, we play for as footballers because. Yeah, there are definitely a lot of tough times in the career, a lot of a lot of low moments, but mm. when you get the the high moments like that, you know they really are sort of difficult to to recreate outside of football, really, and um, and that is what it's all about for us. So, yeah,
0: I mean, you talked about um, John Terry being a, a big figure um, for you in football. Is he like your is he your, your main role model, or do you have other people that you that you um, think is as role models in the sport?
1: Um, yeah, I think growing up, he was probably my main sort of role model. Um, you know, he was in the prime of his career as I was sort of young, you know, around 10 to 18 years old, something like that. Mm. And so he was, he would be the main player that I looked at. But, you know, as we get older, he's he's not playing anymore now. Um, I'd say people like uh, Virgil van Dijk, I sort of look at as, you know, one of the sort of best defenders in the world at the minute. I think um there's another guy at PSG from Marquinho, so I think very good. And um, so yeah, I try to yeah, I try to look at as many as many players as I can sort of at the top level in my position and, and sort of learn off them. So I think as a footballer you're constantly developing, constantly learning, be it, you know, an eighteen year old just starting out or a thirty four year old comes to the end of your career. You can, you can always improve and find areas of the game to improve on. And I think looking at other people is is the best way to, to, to you know, do that. So I'm I'm constantly um trying to analyze analyze players and yeah I'd say at the minute probably Van Dyke is probably for me the most great all-round complete defender in the of football mm-hmm. game. So I, I try to look at, at him a lot as well. Yeah.
0: So how how do you make the uh, you, you're a youth footballer? How do you make the change and make the switch to see um. I'm I'm gonna take this out of a hobby context and I'm gonna make this um into something that I wanna I wanna make a, a living out of. I wanna be a footballer for for a club like Aberdeen or a club like Watford. How do you make the switch?
1: Um yeah, it's a, it's a good question. But um to be honest, if I you know, to answer that honestly, I think from so I've been in I, I, I signed for all when I was I think seven or eight years old and you're kind of, you know, that, that's when I would say the career the career starts. I mean, it's it's obviously not quite as serious as it is now at that age, but you know, it, it is definitely serious, and you're aware of how serious it is. Um, you're constantly being prepared and sort of molded, um, you know, into becoming a footballer and and they're preparing you for that journey. Um, from age eight or nine years old. I mean, when I was ten, there was sometimes we played playing tournaments in front of four or five thousand people, which was you know, amazing at the time. And I think, you know, just, you know, being exposed to that from such a young age is is already sort of preparing you for what it's going to be like when you're older. And I think, um, yeah, I think that the journey starts from then, really. And you don't really realise, uh, I'd say, a moment where suddenly, right, this is it. This is it's serious now. It's, it kind of felt serious all the way through. You're always competing for a spot in that starting 11, you know, it's a 10 year old a 14 year old or a 24 year old in the first team and um, and yes yeah, so I've, I've kind of felt like I've been on that journey since then really and um, and yeah yeah so when, when
0: you moved to Aberdeen um, were there any nerves um, obviously had in, you, you were just coming out of an injury um, any nerves about fitting to the squad or any nerves about um, playing for a new team
1: definitely 100% Um I'd say the nerves were more pre, you know, from within myself, really, because I, I, I started my, my career started quite well when I was young. I played quite a lot of football between 18 and 21, but then from 21 to uh, 26, I hardly played any games because I had about, you know, I've, I've, had, I've had 10 operations now on different various things, and I just kept getting one injury after the other. And so when I did, you know, get the opportunity up here, I signed, uh, you know, there was a lot of, doubt and sort of nervousness from within me. Like, am I going to be injured again? Um, can I still do this? You know, it's been so long since I've played regular football again. I'm not the player I sort of once was. Um, you yeah, know, these are kind of thoughts that would sort of creep into my head. But um, at the same time, I'm quite, you know, I'd like to think I'm quite strong mentally. And, um, you know, although I would have them thoughts at the same time, I'd be, you know, reassuring myself like, yes, I, I can do this. I am good enough. And I think that self-belief is, is vital as a footballer and definitely was, you know, very important in me sort of getting back this season. And i played, you know, almost 40 games now this season. It's been mm. the most football I've played in a single season my whole career. So yeah, it has worked out very well. And, um, but yeah, I think, you know, having that belief is very important, especially the early part of the season. And I think, you know, it's important in whatever you do in life, you've got to really believe in yourself to, you know, to achieve what you know we all can kind
0: of achieve. So. Mm. so so talk us through how you how you get ready for a match um obviously as a defender you have a very important role along with other people um attackers midfielders um but when, when people have confidence in the defense it allows the attackers to push forward and um obviously propel and then success comes from goals so how, how do you get
1: prepared for such an very important sure. role yeah um yeah I think what you're trying to say is we're the most important players on the pitch. Which <laughs> <I agree. laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, no, I think um, obviously you've got to um, you know keep yourself as focused and sort of mentally switched on as you, as you possibly can. And so for me personally it's you know, making sure I get a good night's sleep the night before, I'll start thinking about the game the night before, you know, a bit like visualisation, stuff like that, which I think is very important, you know, visualizing how I want the game to go and you know, my various various things that could come up um you know in my position in the game so i'll kind of think a bit about them but then at the same time I don't like to think too deep about it because you know when you start thinking too much too much you can kind of become mentally fatigued and tired and then by the time the game comes you're kind of you know, you're too stressed and you're you're too worked up so I'd like to have a sort of find the balance between being relaxed and being focused on on what I've got to do and um, I know they kind of pretty really contradict each other, but it's it's quite um, a difficult thing to sort of find mm-hmm. that balance and something that I'm still sort of working on myself, you know, trying to get myself in the right frame of mind going into a game. Um, but, yeah, so then on the morning, I try to get a bit of a sleep if I can, which is easier on away games because at home I've got two kids which get up, they, yeah. they both get up very early. So once they're up, it's hard <laughs> to sleep. But... Um, Then I kind of have a pre-match meal about three and a bit hours before the game. And then, um, you know, we head to the game. Either I drive down myself at home or we get the bus if we're away. Mm. Um, And then we get there about an hour and a half before. And then that's when, you know, we start getting ready. We might have a little meeting, go through final bits of tactics, stuff like that. And then, um, yeah, it's just final bits of preparation. We have, you know, some sort of supplements and stuff might take, caffeine, you know, some energy drinks stuff yeah. like that last bit of food little snack and um, then we go out to warm up 45 minutes before that's when you're really getting your head focused on the games getting the body ready warm and um, running through your last bits, just mentally getting yourself as focused as you can and then and yeah then once the, the game comes it's time to just get in get in that zone and you know stay focused and in that zone for the next 90 minutes and then when it's done it's chill relaxed. and <laughs> <laughs> um- and so pretty at- points in the bag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um,
0: after you, you you finish the game, how do how do you wind down? Because uh, I'm sure there's a lot of adrenaline. If you just got a clean sheet, it's massive, um, and, and you propose your team to move further up the table or or get, as you said, three more points. Um, how how do you wind down? How do you relax?
1: Um, I like to, yeah. I say hopefully it's after three points and I can enjoy the evening a bit more, but. Um, <laughs> If it's a home game i'll come home you know I'll, I'll see the kids before they go to bed they're you know very a very sort of easy way to forget about football once you get home and you see them you know they just like chill you out well they don't physically chill me out they'll be running <laughs> about you know, tiring me out still but just mentally you know you switch off from football and start focusing on them again and then um i'm quite into my food and stuff as well so I usually me you or know, missus will cook like a nice sort of meal at the minute and sort of because of lockdown, you know, we can't really go to any nice restaurants. So Mm. we try to make, you know, a nice little meal on a Saturday night or something like that or either cook something nice or get a takeaway one or the other. Mm. And then just, yeah, maybe put on a movie, sit down, relax, um, eat eat some nice food and and, and chill really. But then, obviously in football, you know, we might have another game three or four days later. So that kind of chill period doesn't last long because then, you know, straight away, you're having to get yourself ready for the next game, recover, and um, get ready to go again. So,
0: yeah, I mean, you scored six goals as a defender, which is quite odd for a defender to be to score goals in the first place. Um, so, congrats mm-hmm. on that. How, when you scored those goals, how how does it feel? Because as I said, it's very very rare for a defender to score goals.
1: <laughs> well, to be honest, I probably should score a few more. Teams, I think I think as a defender, obviously, you don't score too many, but I'd like to get at least sort of three a season. So I think I've got two so far this season. So. If I can get one more, I'll be happy with that. But um, yeah, but yeah, no, it's 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 an amazing feeling scoring goals, uh, especially when it's a big goal in a game or a winning goal stuff like that. But um, for me personally, I would always take a clean sheet over a goal mm-hmm. as a defender. So you know, obviously, this season if we hasn't had. Um, the same impact as it has in previous seasons when the fans are there and you score then it, you know, it really is special you know start singing your name stuff like that it makes <laughs> it really good but um this year we haven't got any of that but um mm. but yeah as i say you know as a defender you might not believe us that genuinely keeping a clean sheet i would always take that all day over of scoring a goal and that's the real sort of um you know success and uh, what well, I get all my best feelings from, from
0: football so yeah mm. going back to lost, last lockdown I mean some people took off and um, took up some some hobbies whether it's like learning an instrument or learning to cook or developing the cooking skills um, did you have anything did you take up anything new did you um, try and get your hands on with anything
1: uh, yeah over the years I've done a few things actually but um, in lockdown so as I said so with my injuries and stuff it was quite an uncertain time and I wasn't 100% sure what was going to be happening with football you know the opportunities that I'd have you know would I have opportunities to get back into the game with my body being in position to to cope with football again stuff like that so I was almost sort of half planning for life after football as well and I started studying a little bit with um, sort of uh, my dad's a financial advisor and he's uh, I've kind of got a little bit into that through through him and then I started studying, you know, to take the first exam for that, mm. which um, I still actually haven't fully really got around to doing, but I will. It's, it's in my sort of my long-term plans to yeah. continue with that now. Um, and yeah, potentially that could be a career for, for us. So it's something that as footballers, as you me, know, and we all have to, to face that, you know, the, the majority of people retire around the age of, you know, 35, 36 and, still you know a yeah. young man at that stage you've got another 30 years of your life um to go sort of working career wise so mm. football's only the first part of our of our sort of career journey so it's yeah. something that I'm definitely gonna you know we'll try to prepare for and we will have to prepare for um and then in the past this wasn't in lockdown but I've also um started to learn Spanish as well in the past. Cool. So at Watford there was quite a lot of Spanish players and um that sort of sparked an interest in that and uh i can speak i can still speak a little bit of spanish very slowly and (laughs) um probably not that well but i can do it a little i can speak a little bit um so yeah that's that's another thing that i've done in the past and then as i said i'm quite into cooking anyway so i'm always Mm. you know trying to come up with a nice new recipe something like that and yeah yeah Yeah.
0: and so so you talk there about um, football is such a short career, especially if you look at it in perspective. Um, Twenty years, twenty-five years maximum, roughly. Um, it's it's very hard. Um, I think defenders. You have a bit more attackers. Is where they 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 get the the short straw a bit, um, and then goalkeepers, <laughs> obviously. Um, they yeah. Go on and go on. So he how to the, to the eighty? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, Claudio Bravo, I think was forty-five, and he and he kept playing for Man City. So I'm. Um, um, forty-five. Um, wow. wow. Yeah. He, yeah. So you you look at where you are in, in life now and, and and your career so far. What do you want to be remembered as in in your individual clubs or in your, in all of them respectively together?
1: Um, I'd say. To be honest, like, firstly and foremost, and, you know, football's one thing, but in wherever I sort of go in life, I think I would like to just be remembered as a good person. So I'd like to make a, you know, a good in, a, an impact on the people I work with, day in day, like my teammates, the staff around the training ground, you know, coaches, fans, stuff like that. I'd like people just to, you know, think I was a good person and not for me wanting to be thought of as a good person just because, you know, I want to be a good person in my life. And so I think that's the... The first thing but then from a football point of view um i I'd, I'd say i'd like to yeah at, at one club somewhere you know that i find sort of my, my long-term home i i would like to remember this you know club sort of legend so to speak from that to so be part of like a really successful team that i mm. did something special at a club and be that promotions, be that winning trophies cups, yeah. leagues Whatever that may be, just be part of a special team and sort of go down in the history of of, um, of a club for, for you know them kind of reasons. And then you sort of you know do that by keeping as many clean sheets as I can, putting in solid, reliable performances, and, and yeah.
0: Yeah, um, I've got a question, uh, three questions about your your teammates in Aberdeen. Um, it's three short ones um, about how well you know them and so on and so on. Um, I'll start off with the first one. Who's the hardest man in the team? Who do you not want to mess with the most? The
1: hardest man in the team. Oh, it's um, quite a tough one. Um, probably surprise you people. There's a, a young young boy played a couple games recently, uh, left back Jack McKenzie, mm. and he's quite he's, he's quite tough, Jack McKenzie. Like. He gives you like uh, he's a really nice guy. I actually, really like him, and like very quiet as well. But he's one of them, you know. He's got he's got a look in his eye that you wouldn't want to mess with him, sort of thing. Mm. So <laughs> I would say him. And um, best dress sense in the team. Best dress other than myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, give you an honest answer. Um, there's a few boys that, that do go for it a little bit and I, I, I'm not going to give you sort of a single answer there I feel like if you a um, few mm. a few that make an effort but I, I'd say the few that make an effort would be uh, Johnny Hayes mm-hmm. Dylan Dylan McGiick and um, Mikey Devlin sometimes as yeah. well
0: mm. Um, and then, final uh, of those three um, short questions: Who is the funniest in the team? Who cracks you guys up the most?
1: Funniest—the person who's coming out with all the the banter and the jokes all the time—is yeah, probably Johnny. I <laughs> you don't you, you don't you don't want to mess with Johnny because he'll um, he'll always come back with something better. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Great. Yeah. And, uh, uh, as as you said, uh, um, football is quite a short career. Have you thought if the opportunity arose, punditry or um, maybe even managing?
1: Um, I yeah, I say both. I've sort of thought about in the past whether they'd be a long-term career. I'm not sure. Um, coaching is one that you know if I've sort of flicking, sort of and thinking. Yeah, some days I think yeah, I definitely want to be a coach. Other days I think. Oh, maybe it's not you know not for me. Mm. I want to do something different other than football. But um, I think yeah, coaching managing is definitely a potential one because you know football is all I've ever known and it's what I'm you know what I'm good at, what I understand, what I'll you know sort of excel at, sort of, you know so to speak. So I think to leave it behind and just you know once I do retire will will be difficult and yeah. um you know all the skills that I've sort of acquired over the years. I don't know if that would be the the best thing to do as well because you know just, I think probably I feel like I'd like to give back to sort of young players as well and help develop you know people coming through you know there's some coaches that have had a big impact on you know my development as a footballer and a person and mm-hmm. um, I think I'd like to sort of have a similar impact on on people as well so yeah I think the coaching management route is definitely a, a possibility punditry maybe as well um, but maybe not as a regular one but it's a uh, yeah now and then, <laughs> yeah. um, when you talk about managing,
0: we've talked about your 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 role model in football, um, as in like your player wise. Do you have like a, a role model managing wise or someone that you, you really you highly respect? I'm sure you respect many, but you highly respect is the it's very influential, um, to you.
1: Um, I wouldn't say as much as you know, as a, as a player, do I look at a manager as a role model because I'm I, you know, I'm not. 100% certain that's, if that's something I want to do yet. Yeah. Yeah. But I would say for me the top managers or the top manager in the world, yeah, is for me is is Guardiola. Know, everyone probably says, it's, you know, it's a sort of easy answer to say, but I, I genuinely think he is. I mean, <laughs> yeah. the, the the football that he gets everyone to play at, you know, all the clubs he's been at is just incredible. And then also just the way he seems to, you know, speak about his players the team, he just seems, um, I, I think his, his style of management just seems very, very good and very, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, all, all the players seem on board, whether you're starting week in, week out, or if you're, you play, you know, two or three games a season, mm-hmm. everyone seems to be, you know, quite positive and sort of bought into his, um, his plan and stuff. So I think that's the main thing as a manager, you need to get everybody on board and everyone to sort of buy into your vision. Uh, so sort of to come with you on that journey, and I think he's he seems very good at doing that. So yeah,
0: mm. I mean, um Pep plays quite quick, um attacking, high tempo, um, Tiki Taka style football. Is that something that you you like to watch, and, and would you like to play that? Or
1: do you like to play? Yeah, definitely. Um I think I need mean, to keep on working on my own game to get to that level. But <laughs> but no, I think it's yeah, obviously a very exciting you know, style of football, and yeah. I think, on their day, when they play well, I think they're the best team in the world at the Man City. And, um, and, yeah, I think he's... Obviously, they've got a team full of top players, You know, even if he wasn't there. But I think he's made all of them players even better. And um, I think he's done that wherever he's gone, really. He's really improved players individually. So, you know, that's a sign of a, a good coach as well. And, and yeah, I've uh, definitely more for that that kind of football. I think it's very attractive sort of the on the eye style of football and winning in, in that way is I think more enjoyable. So, so yeah Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um you you have gone through your career, 121 career appearances, um six goals. Do you have any advice for um any footballers, any young defenders watching or attackers and midfielders?
1: Um yeah, I think I, I won't go into sort of in depth you know, detailed defensive advice, but I just say my advice to any footballer, to young footballer out there is I would say the number one thing is you have to really believe in yourself because it's, it really is a hard journey. And if you look at the stats, the amount of people that make it, it's, it's so small, you know, the, you know, less than a percent of boys that start off, whatever, end up making it. So if, if you don't believe in yourself, there's going to be plenty of other people that don't believe in you as well. So, yeah. you know, you're pretty much finished then. But I think if you, you know, deep down have that, have that belief that you are good enough, and and then put in the work to go with it, the hard work to go with it, because there's, you know, there's that's that's another vital, vital point. You know, you have to work really hard, you know, on your game, sort of technically, physically, tactically, mentally, you know, everything. Um if you if you have that belief within you, and and you put in that hard work, I genuinely believe that you know anyone can make it if they if they just. They just, just really go for it with everything they have, and um, be that football, be that anything in life. I think, yeah. I think you know, self belief is the vital ingredient for me, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, I've got one more little question, um, actually, a little task for you, a little game. Um, you have 30 seconds to grab an item that you think best represents you. I'll start the time now. You can have a little, best
1: thing. represents me, oh, yeah. okay? Let me, um. Got thirty seconds. Yeah, gotta find me. what's in this in this no. room. Um, here we go. Best represents me. I've got one. Perfect. So this is my as as I've we've, we've touched on. I've had a I have a tough time with injuries and stuff over the years So this is my my muscle gun here, which is right next to my bed, and every night before I go to sleep put this on get my missus to uh, run it around the whole body in it's a nice little massage yeah relax me make me feel good and get the legs ready for the next day so yeah wouldn't go anywhere that one must have gone <laughs>
0: great um, thank you for being on the podcast tommy um, you're an inspiration to many footballers and, and many aberdeen fans i'm sure who are listening and watching and um, be sure to follow and subscribe on our platform spotify google podcast apple music and slash itunes youtube and soundcloud i am searching the digital den once again thank you for recording the podcast with us and um,
1: tommy episode two ending now No worries. Thanks, Shane. Appreciate it. Cheers.